this is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything about assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, 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 banter. Well, we got some extra banters today. You, you're, you're feeling full of energy. Full of banter. Full of, full of banter, among other things. <laughs> uh, hey, my name is Rob Minot. Uh, joining me today, look who it is, uh, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Uh, I like the first edit first. First edit well, better, because I was lovely back then. Well... <laughs> But they'll never hear that. So take what they can. Who knows what I'll use? Um, How are you doing? I'm doing okay. It's the start of a new week while we record this, so it can only get better as Friday draws nearer. But things are well. I was in such a great mood last week uh, editing the um, the Al Edmansky show. Uh, Such a great show. Such a great guy, and, and so interesting to talk to. Uh, and then I saw the news uh, late last week, and it put me in a pissy mood again. <laughs> so uh, we'll talk about that uh, momentarily, um, I'm sure. But uh, I don't know. So what's what's new and exciting over in your world? New and exciting? Well, I've got some manufacturers lined up to do some recording for some upcoming shows. So that should be interesting uh well hey we should before we get too much farther let's uh let's go ahead and tell the fine folks what we're doing today today we are speaking with shane Lowe from mediate we had them on our podcast last september talking about their SuperSense ai app and we thought it was time to bring them back because they have some new updates that they wanted to share with us and our audience so we're bringing them back yeah, I'm actually really super interested about these updates because it's actually cool. I don't know if we want to uh, like spoil the surprise later on, but uh, it's LiDAR. <laughs> Everything is <laughs> LiDAR nowadays. LiDAR. Of course, there's a segment of our answer going, what the hell are they talking about? What is LiDAR? What is LiDAR, Ryan? Ryan? LiDAR is a way of mapping indoor spaces. It so involves lasers. Yeah, it involves lasers. So kind of like GPS for the outdoors. This is indoor navigation technology. So somebody can go in with a LiDAR camera. They can basically scan the space, tell you where the obstacles are, tell you the distance between the entrance and the bathrooms that are on your left or on your right, the staircase in front of you. They can basically make an indoor space accessible through apps on your mobile device. So it's exciting. Yeah, you know what? It really is exciting because I really feel like we're still trying to crack the the mystery of how to really build something really effective in terms of indoor navigation um, for blind or partially sighted users. And uh, a LiDAR is a pretty good potential candidate. It'll be interesting to see what these guys are doing with it. Yeah. And they're not the only guys that are working on this. You know, we've talked to Accessibuild before at Good Maps as well um, is doing some indoor navigation. There are some spaces that are already available through some of these apps. But, you know, again, it's going to take a mass adoption for buildings to become accessible to us. And so hopefully um, word of mouth can get the word out that we 
we need this technology because they're not going to go in and retrofit buildings just for us. You know, they're not going to put in ramps necessarily in place of staircases or so on and so forth. This technology will level that playing field for us. Well, hopefully. I mean, you know, we've we've talked indoor navigation ad nauseum through the years. And, uh, you know, there was a while there that we thought, you know, beacons were the way of the future. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's... Which, you know, not, not to, to downplay beacons, I, I think certainly have um, their place. And, but as a large scale solution, I just don't think they're realistic for a lot of places. Again, it comes back down to cost and, and places retrofitting it. And yeah. Well, yeah, and they're low energy Bluetooth beacons that require battery replacements and sure. so on and yeah. so forth, right? So. Yep. It would yeah. be okay for smaller spaces, but again, the the information that you receive on any of this technology in a building space is only going to be as good as the people updating it. Yeah, so, exactly. You so. know, if a bathroom is closed or, I don't know, there's a new stairway being built, you know, if that information is not updated, we're still not going to have the level access we require. Yeah. So this is great. I'm, I'm glad that people are still working on this whole indoor navigation puzzle uh, and we'll, we'll get it there eventually. That's right. Well, can you imagine, like, and I don't know what, I don't know, Pearson International or LaGuardia, Vancouver International Airport, you know, these spaces are huge. It'd be so freeing to be able to walk in the doors and be able to navigate yourself to whatever customer service or to your gate or, you know, so on and so forth. Well, and, and, you know, this is something that would benefit everybody. This is a perfect example of one of those things where it would be a technology that would, would be an amazing um, benefit in terms of a mobility aid for somebody who's blind or partially sighted using an app. But it would also really come in handy for people who are sighted, especially when you're talking about such huge spaces like airports, because uh, who the hell doesn't get lost in an airport? If well, you yeah. Do? You walk in the front doors and even as a sighted person, first thing you think of before you board the plane is where's the washroom? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because I'm not using the, the bathroom on the plane. <laughs> and did I pack my, my bag myself? <laughs> um, yeah, great. Well, that'll be excellent. Looking forward to talking to Shane. Uh, but first, I'm afraid I have a little bit of some bad news. Well, good news, bad news. Uh, yeah, okay, sure. Good news. Well, let's go with that. Good news, bad news. All right. So last week, uh, late in the week, uh, I saw on Twitter uh, the Disability Alliance of BC tweeting out um, about Bill 6. Um, and now for people who aren't really aware of what's going on in, in terms of in here in BC, uh, we're working on the Accessible BC Act here, following the lead of provinces like Ontario, who have their own uh, Disability Act and they have for years, um, which is exciting. Uh, that's the good news. You know, we're working on it. It's, it's in its first reading in the legislature. Um, the bad news part of this, though, is and this is what um, the Disability Alliance was tweeting out is that from the from the looks of things, it's going right through the process without anybody addressing some of the concerns that a lot of advocacy agencies had leveled at the legislation. Um, there's there's some some problems with the legislation, and um, 
you know, a lot of the, a lot of these advocate, advocacy agencies, you know, let the let the government know. Um, but it doesn't look like they're really paying much attention to these because the, the, the bill looks like it looks like it's, it's just going right through as is. So, Ryan, I thought I would step us through a, a few of the problems that the um, organizations like DABC have um, have indicated about the legislation as it is. And, and we can maybe talk about it. Sure. So the part of the main concerns are are directed in how the the bill defines impairment. It doesn't give any timelines. It doesn't really refer to human rights anywhere. And it has very, very weak enforcement processes built into the, the bill. And so, you know, this reminds me a lot of the Ontario um, bill and some of the concerns that some of the advocacy agencies in Ontario had. Uh, it's, it's a lot of the very same thing. Like, and even the Accessible Canada Act, I, I, I see a lot of comparisons there as well, uh, especially in enforcement. Um, so I'll step you through a couple of these. Um, so the first one is definitions. So Bill 6 has excluded learning and communication within its definition of impairment. Which is the big glaring black eye as far as I'm concerned. You're excluding a population of people with a disability who are nonverbal or learning disabled, which is one of the largest markets of disabilities in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's it, there's a really weird omissions in my in my view as well. Yeah. So uh, not good um, timelines. So Bill Six doesn't include any sort of deadline or timeline for any kind of uh, creation of accessibility standards or the elimination of any sort of barriers. I mean, it talks about these things, but it doesn't. It doesn't have a year. It doesn't say, "Yeah, we're going to be fully accessible. We're going to build these accessibility standards by whatever 2025, 2030." Like, there's just there's nothing, um, and so really, they can spin their wheels as long as they want. I, I mean, I don't I don't understand what the point of of, re, of having a bill like this that doesn't at least include some sort of timeline. Um, that's another really weird one. Yeah, and you know my my thoughts are are kind of torn on this one because you're right. It's it would be nice if there was a timeline, whether it's a year, two years, or five years. But keep in mind, and I'm not into politics at all, but I'm sure there's an election coming soon, and they can just pass the buck to the next government if they don't get in again. So really, what would a timeline be worth anyway if this government didn't get in? I don't know. Well, I mean, I think that once a bill is passed, I mean, I think that they're, they're sort of committed. At least it shows, it shows some sort of a commitment, I think. Um, you know, I'm the same way, Ryan. I don't, I don't know a heck of a lot about politics, but it seems to me that, you know, at least putting in like, you know, in 10 years, we want to be here. It's just setting a goal. It's like yeah. making a business plan and saying, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, you know, implement all these things into our business, but then not really including any sort of dates for that. So yeah, that's a lack of commitment on their part. Yeah, agreed. Um, 
Limited application. Here we go. This is another great one. So Bill 6 currently only applies to the provincial government and organi organizations that are, quote, prescribed by the government. So once again, this is only the this bill is only going to apply to um, provincial government buildings or agencies or organizations or organizations that are closely affiliated with the government. Right. So it'll be government buildings. It may be Canada Post. You know, it it, it may be Work BC, like Work BC, exactly. You know, yep. so the the other ninety five percent of British Columbia doesn't have to yeah. come into line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah, again, uh, that's just. Yeah, it makes no sense. Uh, you know, and I, if we look at the Accessible Canada Act, you know, I think it was written in there that. The, the federal government had the right to exclude themselves. So at least the BC Act is saying the governments will be accessible. <laughs> I know, I know. Like we sense. need to have, it doesn't make sense for, well, it does make sense for BC to have their own, Ontario to have their own, whatever, Manitoba to have their own, Alberta and so on. But at the same time, if we're having a federal accessible Canada Act, then the provinces have to have some similarities when it comes to standards, when it comes to repercussions, when it comes to, you know, ways to file complaints with an organization. Um, and none of that seems to be happening. So again, this is, is another perfect example. So bill six does not provide any process for anyone to submit complaints <laughs> when organizations fail to comply with yeah. accessibility standards. Like, uh, so even, yeah, what is the point? You've got a bill that legislates all these things, but no sort of mechanism to actually enforce any of it. Like, well, and, not and even not, report it. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, they're not giving us a chance to give our input, good or bad, on fixing the problems. It's going to be, it is what it is. And it's really looking like a token gesture to the disability population in BC. And yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that we're not hearing more shouts from the rooftops from the disability community saying, no, 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 no. This has to change. Oh, just wait till our audience gets in on this. <laughs> the outrage that will, that will come as a result of us talking about this. No, this is, it, it is, it's, it's really frustrating that none of this stuff even got um, talked about or considered I, I just don't get it. I don't know what the mindset is. Like, why would you, why do you even bother? No date, like even just those two things, like the fact that there's no timeline given and the fact that there's no enforcement mechanism built in makes it pretty much useless. Uh, because it does, it's what the message that sends is that they're just, they're not listening to the disability community. No, not at all. And they, um, they had, and they said they had input from the community. So, you know, it's in one ear out the other. Pretty much. Um, yeah, and this just reminds me of the problems that they're having in Ontario with their act. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're nowhere near their goal. Their goal was to be completely accessible as a province by 2025. And last I heard, they, they were not even close to, to making that goal. You know, even though they've still got four years, but they're just, they're nowhere close. Uh, and a lot of the same issues, like the, the enforcement process was weak. Um, you know, and you would think that, you know, as, as a province, we would look at Ontario, what they did, where, where they fell down, and be able to make something that's better and learn from those mistakes. But it doesn't seem like they're interested in doing that. They just, they just 
I don't know. After reading this, I just feel like it's an optics thing. It's just like, oh, well, we, we're going to release an accessibility act. So, you know, the optics are good and that we're doing something. But really, I like talk about a or a bill that with no teeth. Ugh. Well, and I think, you know, we might have to start a segment called Ryan's Rants because last week was National Accessibility Week here in Canada. And, oh, what do you know? Lo and behold, the government's throwing money at the disability community. And, oh, all of a sudden, we've got this money and we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to enhance the programs and services for the disabled, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, where was that money six months ago? Where was that money last year? Why did you wait for National Accessibility Week just to make yourselves look good? Like, ah, oh, that was that pissed me off. Token government gesture. Yeah, it's it's really frustrating. Um, yeah, I was really really bummed out when I when I read um, the tweets. So, I you know maybe we'll we'll reach out to to the Disability Alliance here in BC and see if we can maybe get somebody on to talk a little bit more about these. So write to your MLAs. <laughs> yes, you know what? Actually, thank you for bringing that up, Ryan. And we will include in the show notes um, the address where you can write your MLA and state your uh, dismay at this uh, i'd highly recommend doing that uh or if you want more information uh you can go to www.disabilityalliancebc.org and uh, you can find all kinds of information there um both about um their dismay with with all of this as well as detailed points of some of the issues that they found with the with the bill and the response that they got so just another uphill battle. I know. It's like we have enough uphill battles, <laughs> don't we? <laughs> we really do. Yeah, God. the disability community has to always fight for their independence. Fight for access to Braille menus or Braille and elevators, Braille signage. Fight for this. Fight for that. You know? Uh, I know. And I was in such a good mood. The Al, <laughs> Al Adnansky show, if you listen back to that show, I was, I was Mr. Pollyanna Sunshine, uh, you know, talking about how far we've come and we've made great strides in the past three years. And I don't know, now this week, now I'm just like, eh, well, well Steve was right. Look forward to next week. Next week's show, I'm guessing, is going to be a fun show. There's a throng of people waiting for the release of the next episode of Mosin at Large. I thought we'd talk to some of them and ask them why. Mosin at Large keeps me informed about technology. Yeah, but like it also like talks about all kinds of things, but from a blindness perspective. The interviews are well done and really interesting. I love that people contribute from all over the world and everyone has a chance to be heard. I don't always agree with everything he says to be sure, but fair play. He makes me think. I must say... Sometimes he really makes me laugh. Having a place that's about our issues is so important and refreshing. Join me, Jonathan Mosen, and our audience who contributes from all around the world for Mosen at Large, the show that's got the blind community talking. You can listen live on Mushroom FM, YouTube, Facebook or Clubhouse or follow Mosen at Large in your podcast app of choice. Please note, no real humans were bothered during the recording of this promo. Mosin at Large Podcast. Joining us now is Shane Lowe from SuperSense. Shane, thanks so much for taking some time to join us today. I am Ryan, and joining me in the room is Rob Minot. Uh, good morning. How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. All right. So, Shane, we wanted to bring you back on the show to talk about the SuperSense AI and the SuperSense LiDAR app. 
We last had you on in September of last year, and we know that there's been some updates and some new features. So for those new listeners who may not be familiar with your app, can you give us a description? Yeah, absolutely. So SuperSense um, is our first app. It's available on iOS and Android. Um, it is a paid app, and its focus is on scanning. So it can scan all kinds of stuff from text, from you know book pages, to barcodes, to objects around you, to you know specific objects. It can also help you take pictures if you're so inclined. Um, and then Super LiDAR is a navigation-focused app. So it relies completely on LiDAR. So it only works on LiDAR-equipped iOS devices. And its function is to give you navigation feedback as you're traveling about obstacles. And so what is LiDAR? LiDAR is actually really old. It's really old technology. It was developed in the 1960s, I believe. Um, and then Apple recently integrated it into the, uh, the iPhone 12 Pro series and the iPad Pros. Um, and what it, what it does is it uses light to analyze a space. So it focuses on depth detection, object orientation, that kind of thing. And what's, what's really amazing is the iPhone 12s, it, it uses the LiDAR sensor in, in conjunction with its cameras. And the cameras on these devices have a crazy field of view. So they can see like three feet square, you know, so they're seeing off to the side, up where your head would be, down where the cane or the guide dog would be, and about 15 feet out. And this is reporting about obstacles, you know, in your area. And so this is a huge, a huge game changer for blind people in terms of, you know, how we're getting information about what's around us. And Rob and I were just discussing earlier on about why is it or can you fill us in as to are there any android phones that support lidar at this point not that i know of um the i believe the pixel 4 had an equivalent to lidar um, something similar and then they took it out in the pixel 5 and so this is also why you know we've had to answer the question um, several times of, you know, why, why is there no super LiDAR for Android? And unfortunately, the answer is that we don't have the stability. Um, there's, there's no uniformity there with the Android development. So we, we don't have, A, we don't know how many Androids would even have LiDAR, and then B, we don't know if the next release a year later would keep it. Right. So that's that's kind of what's been holding us back from Super LiDAR and Android. Given that, that LiDAR is such an older technology, um, what what prompted Apple to sort of bring LiDAR into the into the iPhone space? Um, I have no idea. If if I were to guess, um, I would say a lot of a lot of people were talking about using it in um, artificial reality simulations. Right. So some, for example, furniture companies um, really wanted to use LiDAR technology to let someone experience a space with new furniture in it, um, with the furniture that maybe they were thinking about buying or the furniture the company wanted to sell. And so they would be able to, using LiDAR's analysis of a space, put that new piece of furniture into the, into the space virtually to let the user get an experience for it, and that was that was one of the that was one of the use cases I think that motivated Apple to to implement lidar. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, 
And what's probably interesting is that once this technology takes hold and, it, and is deemed a success on, on iOS devices, I'm sure that, you know, Google's going to take a look at that and go and, and maybe reconsider. I hope so. Yeah, because it sounds like it's, it's an incredibly so. useful technology. Um, you know, we've, we've, Absolutely. Talked, we, we've talked to other um, assistive technology companies that are using LiDAR in, in other ways. You know, they're taking LiDAR cameras into spaces and building really, really fast uh, 3D maps of different locations and then using those as blueprints to use um, as um, navigational references for for apps and stuff like that where where users can then go in and mark it up and and essentially you, you know build a, a really detailed 3d map of a of a location that would have taken normally it would have taken you know months to do and they can do it in days so lidar is an incredibly useful technology for that for sure um, i think you guys though you're the first ones that have really managed to do this where you can literally have this device in your pocket and you can build a, a lidar map in real time right there on the ground yeah so the currently the only drawback there um is that you do have to hold it so you have to hold your phone kind of at chest level um we're working on getting i've been saying this for a couple months which i'll show you that it's a hard problem we're looking on getting some really good a, a good range of lanyards and um, harnesses and things that we can endorse for people to wear the phone Right. Um, with super lidar so that they don't have to hold it because we already have one hand taken up by the cane or the guide dog or whatever um, so we don't want the other one taken up with the phone either um, also it's not a fun idea to just walk around with your expensive iPhone 12 Pro just out in your hand where anything could happen to it right. um, so that is one thing that we're working on trying to remedy um, but otherwise what you're saying is, is absolutely true um, because the problem with, you know, even even if it takes days, even if it takes you only days to map out a space with, with LiDAR, it's still so costly, both in, in time and monetarily. So if it takes you days to map out a space, how long would it take you to map out the world? Um, and the, the problem is, you know, we have a lot of different apps and they're incredible. They're really detailed. I, I have really enjoyed using them. Um, but they're so limited in scope, you know, um, my city, Louisville might be mapped out on one app. Chicago might be mapped on another, mm -hmm. um, you know, so right. all these different places have different maps that are linked to different apps. And so as a result, you know, blind people, um, many of what, many of us who are limited on income have to invest in lots of different apps, um, just so that we can get access to detailed maps that are supported by different companies. And so the goal with Super LiDAR is to be completely universal, to use LiDAR technology. It doesn't require Wi-Fi. It doesn't require cellular data. You can use it anywhere at any time. Um, and that's, that's what we want. We, anything that we are building in a Super LiDAR now, we want it to be completely universal so that no matter where you are, um, this is an app that you can get used to using for any navigational situation. Have you guys thought about putting an option in the app for people who have mapped out an environment to upload that and share that? I think that's a great idea. We haven't put it in yet, but I think that would be amazing. I think that would be really, really helpful. So maybe uh, step us through a, a use case scenario and, and maybe give our, our listeners kind of an idea of just what can be done with the app 
as somebody who's say blind or partially sighted walks into a venue that they've they never have before they have the super lidar app what happens yeah absolutely so um you know when i was first testing it even this this is kind of what happened i didn't trust it yet <laughs> so i i started i was walking down the hallway there's a long hallway there's nothing in front of me um and it you know it gave me it gives you like some soft kind of beeps or now you can actually, there's a setting where it'll just be silent if there's nothing in front of you. Um, but some people like the reassuring beeps. And then it detected something, you know, it was about 15 feet away. So it gave me that high pitch. And the speech, if, if it recognizes what the obstacle is, the speech will tell you what it is and how far away it is. But if not, it'll just give you the pitch feedback to let you know that it has detected something. And as you get closer, it starts to give haptic feedback as well. It'll vibrate faster and faster the closer you get to an obstacle. Well, I was going, you know, the pitch was descending as I got closer. Um, it wasn't telling me anything because it didn't know what it was. Um, and I, you know, I didn't see anything with my cane. So I was like, oh, maybe it's broken. So I just kept walking and I hip checked a table <laughs> as, I, uh, as I kept going. And that's just because this thing has such a great feel the view um that it it'll pick up stuff that your cane misses or the guide dog well probably not the guide dog would miss but it picks up stuff the cane misses um which is which was really helpful um and so you know now you're able to do that out on a sidewalk and avoid tree branches um we're working on now giving you the orientation of where the obstacle is we built super lidar as a prototype it came out about three months ago um so we're still working on big updates. I mean, they, they just take a long time to create because there's so much. People are, we're really fortunate that people are so passionate about this product that we have so many suggestions and so many ideas to move forward with that we're just working on putting out big updates um, for, for improving the app and making it more useful to people. Um, but that's certainly one of them is, is letting you know where the obstacle is. Um, so you so you know that you can duck your head to avoid the tree branch or, um, you know, it's off to your left. So you want to step to the right to to avoid the the other side of it or something like that. So tell me a little bit about the development process, um, because I, I know that that Apple bringing LiDAR into the the iPhone um, is a is a fairly new thing. I think that's only been in the what the last one or maybe two generations of iPhones, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, LiDAR is in, is in one generation of iPhone. We expect it to be in the next one as right. well. So ongoing. So when, when you guys heard that or, you know, what, what made you really latch on to the idea of, of building Super LiDAR and, and using the, the LiDAR technology? Was it just that, oh, hey, look, Apple's using this now. Let's get on this. Or walk me through a little bit of, of, of how the, the app came about. So the thing with that, is it wasn't just Apple, you know, it wasn't just an article in Forbes or, you know, some news article that, that cued us into LiDAR. Um, we, we were reading those things, but also people were already talking to us about LiDAR. There are so many blind people who are interfaced in the tech community, um, the, the mainstream tech community, and they they are the people that, that keep us the most informed. We have to give them credit because they were calling me, you know, last May, months and months before we had access to LiDAR. And they were saying, hey, this new thing is going to come out. Do you have any plans to do anything with it? Because we see so much potential. And um, that lined up with what we were seeing, you know, inside the company as well. 
And so, I mean, with, with that kind of forethought, if it was so important to people that they would call us six or seven months in advance to uh, talk to us about their passion for LiDAR, how could, we, how could we not make an app that uses LiDAR? Talk to us a little bit about what LiDAR can do and what it can't do. So what it can do is it can, it can tell you where things are so, and how far away they are. Um, but remember that where things are is relative to your phone, not you. So if you move your phone around, um, which, which ideally you shouldn't, um, it'll skew what it, the, the feedback that it's giving to you, you know, because it thinks it assumes the phone is you, it assumes you're holding the phone steady and whatever the phone is doing, you are also doing, um, LIDAR is also you, you have to, you, the, the one kind of movement you do have to make sometimes um, with some of our later updates that we haven't put out yet is um, that we're, we're trying to correct this as much as, as you can. But right now we have to kind of adjust the angle of the phone, if that makes sense. So, you know, um, the ideal way to position your camera when you're using Super LiDAR currently is holding the phone vertically at chest level, probably in your left hand um, if you're right-handed. And so... You have to adjust the angle, as in tilt your phone down a little bit, to look for stairs because it's also look. You know, it's trying to scan the ground to d detect drop-offs. Is, is one of the new things that we're working on, and we don't want, you know, we don't want it to miss those. But the the field of view isn't perfect, so it's not going to be able to pick up, you know, your stuff at your head level, and also accurately detect drop-offs right. it can detect you know ascending stairs of course because they're kind of in your way but drop-offs are really difficult um, especially you know the taller you are the more difficult that is so that is a, definitely a limitation um, that you have with lidar it's also something that i i really want to point out is this is all you know under development we're trying to make the best product that we can um, but, you know, everything is, is always being refined and being worked on. And even when it's fully complete, you know, never completely rely on any app mm -hmm. to navigate right. you or direct you. You know, the cane, the guide dog, your own senses, those are always your first line of defense. That's really important because this stuff, this stuff fails sometimes or, you know, it crashes or your phone crashes or your phone dies. There's so many more variables. Right. Um, that could go wrong by completely relying on something like this. Um, so don't do it. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say is this is not a replacement for orientation and mobility skills. <laughs> no, no. This is designed to augment them. That's right. Yeah. So given that LiDAR is fairly new in terms of, of being on iPhones, it, do you guys like sort of stay up at night worrying about what, what happens if Apple all of a sudden reverses their decision and decides, yeah, you know what, this LiDAR thing, eh, it's, it, let's not bother with it, and they just discontinue it? That would be really annoying. <laughs> um, actually, no. We're, we, we went into this being pretty sure, like almost positive, that they were going to continue rolling LiDAR out in the, in the next series of devices, uh, in the next series of generations of devices. Right. And um, the reason for that is, you know, 
we obviously don't want Super LiDAR to only work on one generation of iPhone. So you have to kind of, it starts and stops at the 12s. Ideally, we want to phase in more users as more people are eligible for upgrades. So, you know, we'll get a whole new wave of people when the 13s come out right. mm -hmm. that are able to use LiDAR and that may be interested in using Super LiDAR. Um, and that would be really fun to get to talk to them and, and hear what their experiences are with the app because that gives us more ideas and, and um, gives us material for more updates. And, you know, the same thing happens with the 14s. And so eventually, you know, how many people do you know using an iPhone 4, you know, <laughs> or, or God forbid, a 3 anymore? Everyone will phase up eventually, you sure. know. There are lots of people I know still using 6s. But, I mean, even then, you know, they're, they're going, they're, they're about dead, most of the 6s that I've, that I've heard about. They're, they're on their way down. Yeah. You know, for better or worse, I use an iPhone 7. I like old phones because I like them. I like small phones. But um, the, you know, that just makes it even more likely that people are going to phase up to a LiDAR-equipped device. And we, we are ready for these people because we really want more people to have access to this new technology because it's just really cool to navigate with. Shane, do you think there's a market for an accessible handheld device other than a smartphone? Because I have to assume that if you're using this LiDAR, it, it must be a drain on the battery. Actually, it's not really. Okay. Um, it's really good on the battery, actually. I was really surprised by that, too. It also helps that the 12 Pro batteries are just massive. They have a ridiculous capacity. Um, and the 13s are supposed to be even better. Okay. So it's actually not that. I mean, if you had it running on, like, a 5s sure it would drain the battery right um but it fits in really well with you know with with the modern batteries that we have i'm fortunate enough that we had um we have we have one 12 pro in our company because we're we're a startup so we're a bit poor um and the app is free as well so we have one 12 pro in our company that i've been fortunate enough to be able to test super lidar with pretty extensively great so and sort of adding on to that question, um, do you think that there is a possibility in the future that maybe we might see this technology rolled into a mobility, like a, a, a proprietary mobility aid, uh, like a smart cane? Maybe. Um, I personally, this is my personal opinion, um, I'm not really, I like to keep my cane separate from my technology i think it adds unnecessary risks to incorporate more things that could go wrong into my cane i think it's a lot more reliable to me when it's just a long stick of graphite mm -hmm. um i think there's just a lot more reliability and stability there i don't want to worry about anything you know in addition to that you know anything making it heavier anything making it more expensive anything making it more breakable yeah. Um, I want I want to keep that all separate um, myself. Yeah. That being said, the other thing that we got asked about a lot is um, super lidar glasses. Yeah. Um, and yeah. what I can say to that is, if you or us can find um, some glasses that a have a lidar sensor, <laughs> b have a reasonable battery life, and c have a have a good camera and are cost efficient you know because we're trying to represent as many of our user base as we possibly can and a lot of them can't afford you know multiple thousands of dollars on glasses 
please let us know. <laughs> it's it's something of interest to us, but just finding that balance of technology and cost is really difficult because also we're, we're strictly an app development company. So we don't, you know, we don't build stuff. We don't build physical things. We don't manufacture. So right. we're, we're kind of looking for, um, you know, other distributors that we can work with to make that happen because it is a, it is a good idea. Well, if we, we know can facilitate it. We know Apple's working on a pair of glasses, right? So everyone's yes. kind of waiting with bated breath to see what that looks like. Yes, yeah. really curious to see what what those are going to hold for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I'm sure. That but I think you're. Cool. I think you're right, though. I, I we're just not ready. We're not ready for glasses quite yet. It's not the that that particular recipe isn't isn't quite baked yet. Um, yeah, I agree. Well, but that is interesting that uh, about the cane. Um, you know, we've certainly talked to we've talked to a few manufacturers out there that are that are looking at at um, smart canes. And you know, there's there's been a few kicks at the can in that sense too. And I think that you're right. True. I think that I think that the the response from the community is is very similar to yours. Um, you know, it, it it adds to the weight of the cane. Uh, it adds to the cost of the cane all of a sudden you know it it a lot of times it it adds to the awkwardness of of like not being able to fold it up for example um so oh, yeah there's a lot of that's really important for yeah me. yeah so you know i think it's one of those things that um you know maybe companies have have gone forward through without really doing a lot of focus research and seeing what the community yeah. actually wants i think i think that's very possible and i just mean think about the, the general purpose of the cane is to be put in danger. You're putting your, you're, you're going outside, not with the intention, but fully knowing that it is possible that your cane could snap on any particular <laughs> yeah. trip that you're going on. You know, you're putting your cane in harm's way intentionally so that you're not putting yourself in harm's way. So like, I, I feel it's very unnatural to me to, invest in technology that i would then put in harm's way um so yeah. frequently and so intentionally which by the way is is no bash to those companies because i have i think it's a really neat idea like the concept of it is cool i, I honestly couldn't see myself investing in one because i don't know what would protect the technology inside enough you know what if it rains you know what if it's snowing what if I fall into a swimming pool? Like, <laughs> yep. what are we, what are we looking at here? So it's, it's no disrespect to the company. It's literally just Real. the elements of travel are, are pretty brutal. So, um, something that can hold up, but be really light and foldable, um, and have a battery, you know, maintain battery life and then give feedback efficiently it's, it's a really tough problem sure well absolutely and you know there's enough assistive technology out there already that is really really expensive um so True. you know cost is definitely going to be a factor for a lot of people so oh, of course you know the fact that everybody has a phone and so using that phone's capabilities with something like super lidar seems to to make sense in that market mm -hmm. especially because it's free yeah exactly that helps you can't get even better than that um, so talk to us a little bit about the a main app, uh, SuperSense AI. Um, are, have there been any recent updates to that, or is that mainly just sort of improving the, the capabilities of the app, or has there any been, been anything new that's been rolled out lately? Um, yes, to all of that. <laughs> um, we're always improving the main stuff. Um, it can always be made better. Um, we're always trying to 
to improve things that we've that we've already created. So that's definitely happening. Um, but we've also added some new stuff. So we spoke in September. Yeah. Yeah. Was it? Oh my God. Okay. So yeah, we have a lot of new <laughs> new things. We have um, we added a magnifier for low vision users. Um, we added the um, we added the scene describer just recently, which which lets you take pictures um, of a space and then SuperSense will describe the picture to you and then you can save that picture if you want to um, you know post it to social media send it oh. to your mom send it to your friends do whatever you want um, so it kind of helps blind people take pictures which is a really cool feature that that people requested um, we added the multi-page document reader so now you can scan whole books um, reports whatever um, all into one document and then you can use all of our normal sharing features you can save it as PDF text it email it upload it to the cloud whatever you want to do uh, we, we added a few different things for the barcode reader as well we um, worked on so now when you scan barcodes you can click on the more details button if you want to see the nutrition facts and ingredients and stuff but otherwise it's just going to give you the the product or sorry the brand name and the product name so that it you know works pretty quickly um, and you can scan lots of barcodes without pressing anything because um, we're going back to that making sure that it's being efficient um, we're working with a lot of people who are blind vendors so we wanted to do that to support them and other people who are just scanning a lot of stuff in their pantry we made it easier to see the barcodes too um, we kind of expanded the way that we look for barcodes um, so you should be getting barcode captures a lot faster and uh, if you if we don't recognize a barcode, you can now label it yourself if you know what it is. Or um, if you don't know what it is, you can always scan it with quick read or something. And then based on that, label the barcode. Amazing. Amazing. And you can also share those labels. Those labels aren't uploaded to our database yet. Well, they are, but they're not um, they're not made public. Um, but you can currently share them with friends. Um, you can text them or email them out. And uh, people can import your barcodes um, that you've labeled for SuperSense. So that's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. And I think that's all that's new. As soon as you ask me another question, I'll probably, I think there's something <laughs> I'm missing. Um, so the, as soon the as you ask me another question, I'll think of the other new thing. So the app's available uh, on both iOS and Android, correct? Yes. So you could then, in theory, be, install the app on a Polaris or a Braille Note Touch Plus. Your, your Braille Note takers as well, couldn't you? Because they have a camera? We're working on that. Um, okay. The app requires a later version of Android than the Touch and the Polaris are running. I believe it's compatible with the Braille Sense 6 already. Okay. Because um, it's running a later version of Android. Yeah. Um, but the older ones, um, I was actually talking with him a couple months ago um, about checking compatibility so we are still working on that okay man wow okay well you guys have been busy i just uh, clearly we yes need to it's be true talking to you guys every eight <laughs> months because that's that's a lot of you know you know what just blows my mind though you know when you're when you're talking about that like you, uh, you know as little as 10 years ago like there were there were devices that were that were completely self-contained bars barcode scanners just for that there yep. were like 12 yep. 1300 dollars um, very expensive. And it's now, true. you know, here you are, you know, it's on a $5 app uh, on your phone. I, it, it just blows my mind. I know. It's crazy. It, it, what's amazing is these devices would do just one of these things. I mean, you could buy, 
magnifiers you could buy um the, the barcode readers the currency readers all those individual devices and some of them would be hundreds or thousands of dollars and yeah. so it, it as a blind consumer like i'm really happy that these things have been rolled into apps because it, it's helped us tremendously with you know efficiency because we only have to carry around our phone and we don't have to pay or ask for thousands of dollars in in these cases the only downside to relying on apps is I heard a story last week of a blind consumer who has an Instapot and it's an older Bluetooth model Ooh. and the app because iOS released 14.5 or 14.6 I forget which version but the app wasn't supported by the later iOS versions and the makers at Instapot said to this consumer buy our wireless model. So whoever developed the app, because I think it was a third-party app, it wasn't made by Instapot, um, has now bricked her Instapot. She can't use it independently anymore. So there's a, there is an issue about relying on apps as well. If you don't keep your app up to date, when a new iOS release comes out, you could be screwed. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, especially if it interfaces with a, an appliance. Mm -hmm. What I really hoped you weren't going to say was that she was cooking <laughs> updated her phone and then couldn't Didn't correct like couldn't uh, like her meal was ruined because yeah. the app just spontaneously was incompatible yeah um, it's just an ios update came out and the developer hadn't updated the app to work with that new version so her device is now useless right yeah i don't necessarily like the idea of an appliance that relying that relies on internet connection anyway yeah yeah um but we're seeing because more of that right then you magically can't cook when your internet goes out and <laughs> while that doesn't happen often it does happen enough to make it inconvenient yeah. um i mean i guess that's another excuse to uh, to order out but <laughs> i don't know another reason i will not rely on my amazon echo devices for home security <laughs> oh absolutely no way no way yeah we've got a ways to go before we yep we get there most definitely sure. uh was there anything else that you wanted to bring up that we haven't touched on yet yes okay great yes <laughs> absolutely there is we have a sale coming and you guys are actually the first oh. people to get to know about it got a scoop well that's cool um, we have a sale coming. It'll be starting in June, um, not the beginning of June. It'll start probably in the middle of June. Okay. Um, and it'll be going for, for several weeks, um, in the summertime. So you'll be able to get super sense for half off 50 bucks lifetime. Um, if you would like to do that, you totally should. Um, it's really well worth it. We were just talking about devices that cost thousands of dollars to do one of the things that SuperSense can do, um, and you can get all of the things for 50 bucks. So you should do it. You should it's do a great it. idea. And it supports us. It helps me buy dinner. It helps <laughs> me buy uh, Instant Pots. Um, <laughs> Excellent. Well listen. well, listen, if people are interested in taking advantage of that, uh, where the heck can they find you guys? Absolutely. You can, you can find it, SuperSense AI, on the App Store or the Play Store. Um, you can, of course, download Super LiDAR on the App Store. If you want to sign up to our newsletter, supersense.app is our website. You can sign up to our newsletter. You can check out our blog there. And then finally, we are SuperSense AI on Twitter, Facebook. Um, and we're, we're doing a lot more with Clubhouse as well. So you can find me, Shane Lowe, on Clubhouse. We'll be doing um, a lot of different stuff with SuperSense and SuperLiDAR there as well. Look at you guys go. That's amazing. 
I know you have so much stuff. I hope you can remember it all. And if you need anything, of course, don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can request a call in either app, and I'll call you back. Or you can send us an email, comments, ideas, feedback, hate mail, whatever you want. Send it over. Perfect. You know, we're going to clip that and use that for our uh, <laughs> our, our promotion. Go ahead. That yeah. was very good. Was <laughs> Go good. for it. No, thank you Go so for much for uh, for coming on, giving us the update. Uh, best of luck with uh, the sale and uh, Super LiDAR. And let's have you on in a few months and when there's something new. Absolutely. This is great. Thank you, guys. You, you know it's good when we can still talk for 40 minutes on the second podcast. That's, right. That's good That's stuff. Right. Good right. luck with work. Yeah, okay, be safe, yeah, guys. Thanks. All right, you too. <laughs> Man, that is that is super cool. I'm just really sad that Android does not have any sort of LiDAR capabilities built into their phones yet. Yeah, that surprises me. Apple was the first and only on, I think, the iPhone 12 Pro Max. Um, so you were still quite limited when it comes to mobile devices. But hopefully, um, Apple today... June 7th had their WWDC event. Uh, so they announced a whole bunch of new stuff. Oh, really? Maybe the new phones um, will have LiDAR. And hopefully Android going forward will start including it in some of their flagship phones as well so that we have... Yeah, let's hope so. Fingers crossed because I am really entrenched in Android. I don't want to have to switch ever again to an iPhone. And uh, not that there's anything wrong with anybody who has an iPhone. Listen, everybody, don't don't send hate, hate mail. Well, actually, no, send hate mail because we love getting any type of mail. So <laughs> feel free to, you know what, I'll just shit on Apple and maybe we'll get it. So yeah, I, Apple sucks. Well, I'll tell you after my experiences, I don't know if I shared it with you, la, not this past weekend, but the weekend before that, there's an app here in BC that we can access our health services through. Right. In order to use that app, you need to have a pin code to unlock your phone as okay. a security measure to open this app. Well, I had a pin code on my phone and I've never used a pin code before. I hate pin codes. My, my phone's always with me. I don't need a pin code. I work from home. And so anyway, I opened this app, entered my pin code and it locked me out of my phone. Oh no. I could not get into my phone. And if you do the wrong pin lock 10 times, you're, you're locked out. So I had to bring up iTunes on my laptop, oh, go no. in and reset my phone. So then I reset my phone and I had some functionality back, but not full functionality. So I don't know what had happened. So I had to go into my phone settings and do a hard reset back to factory. That all took, and to get all my apps reinstalled and re-logged in and re-signed in. And it was... 10 hours of one of the worst days of my life. Wow. That's crazy. And so, you know, I was almost to the point of thinking my next phone might be another Android phone. Uh -huh. I don't want to have to rely on iTunes to hack into my phone. If my phone is locked, you have to use iTunes. I know, you know, and I just, I, it almost pushed me over. Yeah, I don't blame you. And honestly, that's always been my my problem with the Apple products is just you're so locked into that ecosystem. Like the, the it, yeah, it's just crazy. Like it needs to be a little bit more open, uh, yeah, it, especially it, in, in terms of usability. Like you know, if it if, if it impacts the users like that, um, you know, you've you've gone. I think you've just gone too far in the other direction in terms of keeping everything locked down on that product. Well, and, you know, to maybe 
you know, give Apple some credit. I probably could have saved a bunch of time if I had maybe just called um, Apple Accessibility and had them walk me through the resets. Maybe there was a quicker, simpler way to do it um, instead of me being a tech geek and fighting my way through it. Um, but at the same time, I just, I'm not using a pin code for one app on my phone. Can I just, yeah, can I, so off slightly off topic, but I just want to be an old man yelling at clouds for a minute. Uh, because I don't, maybe I'm not the, maybe, maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. You tell me, but like, I hate phoning anywhere anymore. Like I just, it sucks because inevitably, no matter who you call, you're getting in a phone tree and I hate phone trees, man. Mm-hmm. Like I hate them. I hate pressing one. I hate punching in my whatever card number with the pound key. And then you can't I get hate, it in fast enough and it kicks you back out. <laughs> I hate listening to their effing terrible hold music. Uh, like there must be a whole music industry out there that just produces sure. like garbage versions of songs yep. or just like horribly vanilla, boring ass <laughs> music uh, for hold music. And it, and then like somebody coming on and be like, thank you for, for waiting. You're, you're, you know, you're expected, your call wait is approximately 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, I just, I hate it. Like you just, you can't call anybody now and just get, get a receptionist or get a human being at all. Uh, and because uh, I just give me a human being initially to, and then put me on hold. I don't care. I'll wait. That's fine. But I just feel like I just want to talk to a human yeah. initially and not a phone tree. Well, and some of these phone trees menus are, are cryptic, right? You think you're hitting three to go to the department you think you need to go to. And then, well, I'm sorry, I have to transfer you. Well, I just sat on hold for 20 minutes. <laughs> so yeah. now I'm back yeah. on hold waiting for this person. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Uh, no, we're getting old. <laughs> it just it sucks, man. It's just like, can we just have some human interaction? Like, is it really that big of a deal that? Uh, you want to hear just... something spooky that happened to me today? What? It was really, really spooky. So I pull up my computer and I go to godaddy.com. So I'm going to look up a domain. As soon as, as soon as I pull up GoDaddy and type in the domain, my personal cell phone rings and it's GoDaddy. What? I'm like, <laughs> Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Wow. And I said, um, wow. this is really shocking and spooky because I just connected to your website. I've got GoDaddy up in front of me, and now you called. Are you spying on me? <laughs> coincidence? Like what? It was a coincidence. Yeah, they do really they do wow. annual annual calls with their customers, he said. Oh, man. To review their their records and stuff, make sure everything's still up to date and yeah. It was just a, a coincidence, but you know, I said, "Are you are you Mark Zuckerberg? Are you spying on me?" <laughs> like, you know, you, you say something to your phone, and next thing you know, it shows up in Facebook, right? I know. Oh, so, yeah, totally. 100%. I, I totally thought it was spying on me. That just scared me. <laughs> I would out of me too. I would immediately just wipe my computer, thinking there's some sort of key logging. Excuse me. Yeah. Software on uh, yeah, my just, machine. Because GoDaddy never calls me. <laughs> Man. What are the chances of that? Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I should maybe I better buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> totally. Do it now. <laughs> oh, man, we're getting off topic. No, uh, what are we talking about? Oh, yeah, no. Okay, well, yeah, listen. Okay, we're going over time. Okay, so we need to end this thing. Uh, hey, Ryan. Rob. Uh, where can people find us? They can find us currently at atbanter.com. Hold on, I turned Google apparently was thinking I was talking to it. No, I don't 
No, who's shut up? Wow, you know what? Like I'm looking at my Google Assistant on my phone and it registered that I said, hey, Ryan. Mm -hmm. And then Google came back and said, hi there, how can I help? So apparently Google now thinks its name is Ryan. <laughs> and I just, can I say, hey, Ryan? Hey, Ryan. Would you, you like to call Ryan? <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> Been asking for that functionality for a while. That's my one complaint with Google, the Google Assistants, is that we can't rename it. We have to keep saying, hey. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course, because then your Android phone wakes up as well, right? So Yeah, so I just want to say whatever, like, hey, shithead. Because <laughs> that, that is definitely what I would be naming my assistant. <laughs> that's what I'd be naming my Amazon Echoes. Yeah, I mean, it's a term of endearment. You know, it's, I'm not being mean to yeah, you no, know, I'm being robots. Mean. <laughs> just, you know, term, I, I call everybody shithead. I call Steve shithead. <laughs> Not to his face. Of course not. And he's not listening, so. That's right. Uh, anyways, okay, we digress. Uh, where? Wait, did you already tell us, tell people where people could find us? I did. Uh, okay, well, then they can also email us if they so desire at, uh, uh, ooh, wow. Holy God. <laughs> it's been a while since I the email. Yeah, it's been a week. <laughs> yeah, wow. Okay, uh, they can also drop us an email if they so desire at cowbell at uh, atbanter.com. And they can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You know, I'm excited. Uh, tomorrow night, we are recording the oh, yeah. Limitless Podcast one-year anniversary show. Yeah. And so I for next week. Disappointed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I forget who exactly is going to be there. But apparently, Sean wants me to talk on mic. So. Oh, good as the behind the scenes guy. So excellent. Well, I will have to but as, yeah, I was looking back at their, their complete back catalog of shows, man, 52 episodes, man, it goes fast. A year has gone fast. Yeah. I can't believe you guys have been doing it for a year. That's not the show coming um, out tomorrow. Is it? It'll be out next week. It'll be out next week. That's yeah. right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we're recording it actually tomorrow night. Right. So have some wine and, uh, yeah. Well, look at you recording two podcasts, editing two podcasts. My yeah, God. I know. I know. I was thinking about that too. I was like, man, I do I do two weekly podcasts. This is crazy. Yeah. Well, we can farm out one of them if you want. No, not really. We farm it out too. Who could oh. do who could do what we do? No, no I mean the editing. Oh, pff, no. Okay. <laughs> no. If you don't want your life back, that's your choice. <laughs> I had, I had enough of a life. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Who needs a life, sir? That's right. Just get into the show. Trouble. That's right. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, well, <laughs> sorry, that cracked me up. Uh, where were we? Oh, yeah. Okay. Just out of curiosity, have you seen it? Have you seen hashtag who is Shan trending at all? We should, should really look into that. I wish I could tweet something out at the AT Banter Podcast Twitter account. And sure. uh, get one started. Shan. Yeah, maybe we should try to start a campaign. All right. Have you heard from Shan? Nope. Maybe he's not listening anymore, the bastard. Maybe. I'll have to send him an email. Yeah. Or, he's Shan, famous. if you're listening, email us, cowbell at atbanter.com. That's right. Hashtag who is Shan. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, that is going to about do it for us this week. Uh, big thanks to everybody for listening in. And we will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. 